I'm your host, futurist Amelia Coleman. By now, it's generally accepted that the future of the internet, Web 3.0, or the metaverse, if you will, is here to stay. Facebook, Microsoft, Sony, the US, China, you, me, the people, we're not all going to wake up tomorrow and realize that maybe we've gotten this wrong, that maybe techno-feudalism is not the best way forward, and decide that we're better off without the metaverse. Well, maybe a couple of us. But it is happening, it has started, and it is only going to get bigger. And as I've said before, it is crucial that all of us are conscious of the role that we play and how we participate in developing this future. I've gone on record saying that I believe XR Technologies will reach a tipping point in enterprise by 2025, and just this week, Bill Gates backed me up on that. Over the last year, we have seen many brands invest heavily in NFTs, and just a couple of weeks ago at CES, Samsung announced that their screens will have an integrated NFT platform. This will give us access to buy and view collections all in one central location, as well as provide a way to show off NFT wealth in the real world. But for those of you listening who don't yet see why we should care about NFTs, what to do with them, how they might add value, or what they might evolve into, don't worry, you are not alone. One of my biggest criticisms about the metaverse's emerging crypto current economy is how privileged, elitist, and exclusive it remains. If brands want to leverage this new technology to reach mass audiences, then it is vital that this discrepancy is addressed. A big part of that, I believe, is education, conversation, and debate, which is why we're here today. Today, I am super thrilled to hear from one of the world's leading voices in metaverse and NFT strategies for brands, Catherine D. Henry. She's the Senior VP of Growth at MediaMonks, a digital-first marketing and advertising services company. She is the author of the recent branded NFT 2022 Intelligence Report, a tech evangelist and an Afrofuturist. Welcome, Catherine. It's such a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you, Amelia. The pleasure is mine. Great to be here. So to begin, do you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and your background and what you do at MediaMonks? Sure. So my background is I have spent some 15, 20 years talking, evangelizing about technologies. Um, my background is I have a master's degree in marketing and also a master's degree in economics. And so what I do is it's always been looking at trends. What are the big pictures and where are we going? So the mega trends, the long-term structural shifts that are going to impact the way that we live and work. And so that really plays very well into what I did for a long time, working with venture capital and private equity and talking to investors about where this is going, which, you know, we're seeing a lot of that happen today. But on the other side, now today, my focus is really what that means for brands. And so I am not just an evangelist, but I also narrow this down in very practical, realistic terms about how brands should prepare for the metaverse and what the best strategies they can employ to maximize their potential profits and really commercialize this opportunity. Cool. So before I get to the how of 
how brands can get started in the metaverse and with NFTs, I want to begin with the why. Why should brands be including NFTs and XR in their strategies moving forward? Okay, so I want to just say that the metaverse is really holistic, so I don't really like to focus, start with NFTs. NFTs are the shiny object, kind of like the new girl at school. You know, she's pretty, she's new, no one has met her yet, and, and so obviously all, all the attention is, is on her. What I'd like to say is that we need to take a, a step back and think about what does the metaverse as an opportunity mean for us? Because the low-hanging fruit, most people are looking at the metaverse saying, oh my gosh, I've got to be in this space because everybody else is in this space. Then there's a second group that's like, oh, I can sell, you know, our, our goods in this space and, you know, branded stuff. And then the third group is saying, oh, NFTs. And it's really the picture about, like, what does your presence look like in this new 3D web as opposed to how can I make a quick buck on this gold rush that is NFTs? So I would separate the two. Looking at NFTs specifically, I would say that there's, I call treasure in the attic. Every brand has some sort of treasure that they can capitalize on. Not every brand has a mascot, but you'd be surprised. Even Jennifer Aniston (laughs) used her dog is now some mascot uh, on, on the internet. And I think that, you know, we can see, we can expect to see a lot more people just create something random and whether it's an avatar or a virtual human or some sort of object that will represent their brand. So if you can think about your brand as an object, if you think about your brand as a person and a personality, what is that? And how can that ambassador play across multiple spaces? And what is it that that ambassador can do? Some NFTs are virtual humans who then sell NFTs. It's really meta. And then some NFTs are the actual object that you have in space. So when it comes down to objects, I would say, or experiences, then you can sell that experience. So there are a number of different ways to do craft the NFTs, which is why I put together that intelligence report. I wanted people to see the full spectrum of how brands are employing these, but more importantly, the strategies that they use, because they vary, you know, very dramatically. And we've seen them evolve over time from just being um, employed for a specific thing, like buy the shiny NFT of a picture, to if you buy this NFT, you actually can go to something in real life. So that's what we call utility. Very cool. It's a long answer. And the report is, is fabulous, and we'll be sure to, to link to that in the show notes. Um, you referred to a couple of brands. Just wondering if you could give a couple examples of, of maybe your favorite use cases of NFTs. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I talk about is utility. So unlocking something that you can do in real life. So it can be anything. You know, I'm a big fan of the Disney franchise. So anything Disney or Marvel, you have my full attention. You know, I'm a futurist, but it's just kind of like, you know, it's all super cool. And so much of it is, is metaverse So I really, I really dig it. So, and I love what they've done because, you know, they really see the potential of the metaverse globally, right? So you've got the spaces online, you can interact with these characters and these stories that you love, there's a whole story behind it, and so it allows fans of the story to really get into the story. So people that create worlds around the brand, the Nike world, their merger with, uh, or their their purchase of, of artifact um, that already creates digital goods, that lets brands really into this world. And that's, that's the whole thing. If you're a fan of that thing, you want to have more access. So when I buy this NFT, I want to have access to either special events, I want to be able to buy something early, or I want to be able to go in real life to say a, the front row 
fashion uh, exhibit or I want to be front row at a game. So thinking about linking the, the brand with something realistic that you can do is super exciting. That is, and I love that. I think that's kind of one of the, the missing key points of people understanding the potential of um, NFTs to link it back to something in the real world. Um, and also that kind of fan empowerment Exactly. Another thing that I think is pretty cool is the evolution. So when you have something that unlocks and evolves over time, that gives you choice, like the um, the Matrix one, it evolves. You can you can buy it and you can not take the blue pill, and you can still keep that avatar the way it is and function in space, you know, normally. Or you unlock its superpowers, and then suddenly you can do different things and you're given superpowers but it's also kind of a weakness because nothing comes as a as a perfect gift right so uh it's super fun to think about these the evolution of a character arc and a story arc even with the nft absolutely and i think that's another you kind of touched on that point one of the big topics we've looked at is with ar and how you can make long form ar and so kind of turning these nfts into something that's not just like a gimmick or a one off and turning it into something a bit long form that has a whole evolution and a character arc i love where that's going i think that's fabulous yeah cuz right now with augmented reality of course we know that we really don't have the technological capabilities of creating a long form story but that's that's now Right. What happens when we have, you know, glasses that will allow us to experience things more and be able to um, to interact with things in, a, in, in more richly? So that we're early days with that. But I like the fact that, say, Dolce Gabbana, for example, they gave you know this this crown. It's a real crown, and it's like hand signed and it's handmade and it's a very beautiful thing. And you can collect the actual physical object, but then that comes with a whole suite of privileges that would be available to no one else in addition to a very beautiful image. So, so many creative and exciting ways of creating NFTs. But I would, again, encourage people to think about what is the rest of your presence online that will keep everyone there because not everybody can afford an NFT, not everybody can go through the hoops that it takes to get USDT. I mean, it's a long and arduous process to get um, to, to be able to access crypto or something similar, digital currencies, and it's a pain. So it is a significant <laughs> uh, barrier to many fans who would like to be able to collect. Yeah. I actually, I want to come back to that, but, um, but just looking at how, how do brands currently measure the ROI of these investments in the metaverse and NFT? Um, I mean, how do they look at it in the short term and then the long term? Are there benchmarks that we should be aware of? You know, we're still early days when it comes to benchmarks to, um, well, okay, I wrote part of the IAB, the Interactive Advertising Board. I'm on the board for the IAB. And so they have Interactive Advertising Board, and I'm on the, the AR board. And what we do is I wrote not only the best practices, but also part of the report on ROI. So we know that for augmented reality, there is a significant transactional value to be had from this, the higher conversion rates, as much as 300% on things like even hard, hard goods like microwaves. So we do believe, and evidence will show, that there, there is an ROI to be had in, in very clear commercial terms, not just engagement rates. So you know, while NFTs are largely a marketing activity, there's a lot of hype around it. Um, you know, the ROI, mm, 
You know, it's, it's, they're relatively inexpensive to create, but, you know, there's an environmental impact. There is, you know, the long-term, you know, the long-term hype around it. You know, it could be that it sells very high, but what's the resale value? So I don't really know. The jury is still out on that. I think the big question is, you know, are you looking to derive your marketing um, presence and the noise around your brand? NFT is a really quick route to that. Look at Charmin toilet paper. They did an NFT. Now, of course, that's not really something that people necessarily want to collect. But they, the, the point that they wanted to make was that they were a tech-forward company, and so they've often come out with tech-forward experiences that really wasn't about a beautiful, collectible, sexy NFT. So um, there are a number of ways of, of creating a strategy. I think ROI would be primarily, at this point, engagement, fan engagement, and, uh, and, and, and marketing. But when it comes to the larger picture of metaverse presence and selling your goods online, that's different. Yeah. No, that's really interesting, and that's a great answer, too. Um, so it kind of brings me to the next question, which is around the how. And, um, and that's interesting that you mentioned the Charmins because I was going to go back to that one. I think it's so cool. Um, so, I mean, how do companies get started and, and how do they come to the conclusion that this is the right way to go? And are there different pathways to entry that, um, that kind of lead to roads to success that we should be aware of? Okay, that's a huge question. <laughs> In fact, I have just completed a course on um, virtual and augmented reality for business. And we should have rebranded it just the metaverse because nobody really understands that XR is now like the metaverse. And it basically boils down to, again, how do you use these technologies for business? And it's like a 12-chapter course. <laughs> it's a video course. So it's a pretty lengthy answer is what I would say, and that's why people hire us. But if you're thinking about entering the metaverse, again, don't start with NFTs. Yeah, that's the short route, but what's the bigger picture? Because I can also say this, that you don't want to be just on any platform. All the different platforms are different. It's like choosing a, a, a channel, a TV channel. There are different there are different places where you might want to be, uh, Netflix versus QVC. <laughs> so you really want to think very carefully about what your strategy is around that. Some are for very rare objects. Some things are for very, like, uh, eBay, you know, open and accessible. So there's a strategy around that. But the bigger picture around the metaverse is which platforms do you want to be? How do you want to engage with your clients? Where is your key community? What do they like to do there? Who are the influencers in those spaces? How can you get them to support you? What is the fan? What are fans doing with your brand already in the metaverse? There are multiple sites, and this is something fun. I recorded a video of myself in various branded spaces in the metaverse that were created by fans. What people don't realize is that their brands are likely already in the metaverse, but they're not officially branded spaces. So again, if your brand is a space, what is that? If your brand is an activity, what is that? These are the kinds of questions you need to ask yourself because this is a 3D world. So unlike, you know, in, in the early days of the internet, I like to, you know, th think about when people first thought of the internet, they're like, oh, let me take my, my catalogs and my annual reports and put them online. So you have basically effectively what is like a stack of paper, but just online. You have to click through them all. Then ultimately they're like, oh, there's video. You can also buy things on the internet. That's great. So then when apps were created, they're like, let's just recreate our website. 
But it's a different medium. And so what I'm saying, what I suggest to anybody looking at the metaverse is this is a different medium. It's 3D. It has different UX and UI. And therefore, you need to really approach it very differently. So is the, the concept around it is, how do I want to feel? What do I want to do? How do I want to engage? Who's there? Who, you know, who, who else is there? What else can I do? What are the portals between here and there? And so you really need to think about it more, more conceptually, but also the opportunity to really inject fun and joy and provoke emotions is much richer. So there's a significant upside there. And the long term, absolutely, for, to be able to convert that into to commercial opportunities in one way or another. I love that new way of thinking about it. I think you're absolutely right. You know, what if your brand was an activity? What would that look like? If it was a space, what would that look like? Um, you know, the creative possibilities that we're coming up against, I feel like we have hardly scratched the surface of where this is all going. I was just saying that's one of the reasons why I joined a company like Media Monks. We've been doing digital first forever since like the dawn of the dot-com era. It was founded in 2020, uh, sorry, 2001, which is like the dawn of dot-com era. And so we've evolved with all these different creative practices. So I work with a lot of creatives who are really informing me about like the best practice of, of a thing, designing a thing and designing it for that real fan and creating awe and wonder at really the center of every experience. And it's so much fun. I think we're going to find that there's all kinds of new revenue streams that come out of this, as well as ways for people to creatively collaborate and be a part of it. You know, I started to think of this future where the fans and the people, I don't like to call them consumers or customers, you know, they, um, they are as much a part of the brand, you know, and, um, and yeah, they are part of that development, and I think um, that's really empowering and um, mm. and exciting. That's a great point that you're making. So one of the I, I I create these trend forecasts, not just on you know deeper dives like the one that that you saw last year. I did one on retail, which is still very green, I think, um, and you know, one on eyewear. I'm <laughs> doing one on ethics shortly. I just did one on virtual influencers. Those are like deeper dives, but the bigger picture is I set a list of a forecast for every year, and I've got a forecast for 2022, and you've touched upon one of the key elements, and that is the community. The creative community is central to the development of these platforms. The platforms are all vying very quickly for, uh, for growth. So, you know, some of them, like Zepetto, is now worth $3.5 billion. It's like a a few, just a few years old, <laughs> and yet they're growing very quickly. Same thing with Rec Room, same thing with Roblox. So these are, you know, multi-billion dollar valuation companies, and the, they, they, they're growing. I think Roblox is a multi-billion dollar company, and it has been built effectively by the users. And so we really have to think about how are we engaging the users? What, how do we reward them, too? because we want them to train on the software of that platform. We want them to build it out. We want them to think it's fun, and then we want them to come back, because on the other side of that revenue model is then advertisers are there, brands are there. Then we have more branded content and more interesting IP on, on that platform. So that's what platforms are doing now, and as a result, we're in a very hot race to attract more devs. 
but we really need to reward them for creating these rich and interesting and inviting communities. And so I would encourage companies to make sure that these people are paid equitably for the assets that they are creating and, the, uh, and, and all the IP that they're delivering to, to your platform. That, to me personally, I think would be really a good thing to see. Absolutely. And I think, you know, Gen Z entering the workforce in the next couple of years is going to have a huge impact on that, on that whole kind of scene. And um, I wanted to touch back on, on something you mentioned before and, um, and something I've been thinking a lot about is this kind of perception of NFTs as something that's kind of elitist. You know, it's for, it's for celebrities or it's for people who can afford, um, afford it, I guess. And, um, and how you know, it could be perceived as something that is furthering not just techno inequality, but also economic inequality. So what are your thoughts on this? And, and how do you, what are your thoughts on what needs to happen in order to shift that perception to making it into something that seems inclusive of everyone? Yeah, I mean, here's a great sobering statistic. I learned that 30% or 30% of all Bitcoin 30% of all Bitcoin is owned by 0.01%. So if you think of a dollar, it's less than a penny. It's like a fraction of a penny. And they own 30% of all Bitcoin. So no, it's not an open playing field. And right. so we really need to think about a more equitable in, um, metaverse infrastructure. So I'm, I'm a real advocate of that, and I am putting together just a briefing document just on some considerations to be a good corporate citizen in the metaverse as you start to build it out. One is making sure that the platforms are paying people equitably, and we've seen that even in the best analog to that would be the Apple iPhone, where, where creators get 30%, and that's kind of sad considering how much you know, attention and time that they bring to that platform. So 30% um, so is something we want to re revisit. The other thing is um, certainly access. You know, again, crypto is, it's hard to get. And so do you necessarily want to price things out in crypto? And, so, and then finally, it has an, economic, an environmental cost. So creating one FT is the equivalent of running a refrigerator for a month. And so do we want to just let people create their own NFTs? You know, we're asking ourselves, there's a huge environmental toll, because if you, you think, well, that's just us, we're just creating, we're just letting, letting our fan to create one, and it's only going to be maybe 10,000. Well, that's 10,000 refrigerators running for a month, and that's just your brand. So we really want to think more responsibly about our approach to market. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I really, really believe that, you know, it needs to turn you know, cryptocurrency in general needs to turn into something that is more sustainable. And, um, and it's interesting kind of watching some of these brands trying their best to move in that direction. Um, you know, what do you think NFTs are going to evolve, evolve into? I kind of get the feeling that they haven't reached their um, potential, that they're going to move into becoming something else. And, and do you have that feeling? Well, with blockchain, it's really exciting to see that you'll be able to have 
a, a history of everyone who owned it beforehand. So that's really going to help grow the value of certain assets. Think about like baseball cards when they trade. You don't know who owned it before. What if a really famous collector owned it? Same thing with a car. Jay Leno was a very famous car owner. And you know he might own a car that was owned by Steve McQueen. Well, if you had one that was also from Jay Leno's collection and you could actually prove it, wow. And so we're going to see blockchain used for everything. So NFTs are no exception. You'll be able to trace who owned them before. What's interesting to me is the utility, the real world value. So digital objects have, um, have real world benefits and real world objects might have digital properties. Maybe they're augmented reality. Maybe they're, you know, they're linked to an NFT that also that you can use in multiple worlds. So it's that link between the digital and the physical, that dynamic, and how we can roll that out. And again, I've seen this gamified. I've seen this with the, where you get part of a puzzle or you get access to own a company with your NFT. I think the creativity that is illustrated in the intelligence reports that I've, that I've developed in just this first year alone really illustrates that we have a very rich and broad palette of of options before us, and it's really exciting to see where this is headed. For sure. And you mentioned a bit about working on best practices. Um, so I know you've worked with a lot of brands. Wondering if you have any, if you see any things that are kind of like common mistakes that we should just be watching out for, or any like big lessons that you would would like to share with us. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's Marshall McLuhan's medium is the message, right? We really need to think about the medium and its properties first. Think about it from a, a lens of joy and whatever emotion that you want to elicit from your fan base. And so, and think about what would give them that ultimate spark of joy. And then create around that. Whatever that activity is, whatever that, even that purchasing experience, that can spark joy. Because you want people to come back over and over again. It's not about you. This is a pull strategy, not a push strategy. So that's the thing about the metaverse is we have to remember people are opting into your platform. They are opting in. They've got so many choices. Why will they choose you? So give them a reason to choose you and to come back and design around that. So that's probably the best advice that I can give because drilling then down to specific experiences gets um, a little bit more complicated. But if you start with that and the experience and the emotion that you want to evoke, that'll take you a long way. Absolutely. I think that's great advice. And I think just also from a creator's point of view, from a developer's point of view, if you know that you're working to make people happy, that's great motivation right there. So my final question, the way I like to um, end every show, is just to ask, I guess, you know, what, when we look at XR's impact on the future of business and our lives, what is your greatest fear and what is your greatest hope? When it comes to the future of XR's impact on our lives, what's my greatest fear and my greatest hope? Again, I would refer back to the metaverse. And I would say that one of the things people talk about is interoperability. And I have the feeling that we are looking more at something that's analogous to the iPhone infrastructure, where you have specific portals that allow you to access specific worlds, as opposed to an open and free Web3. And I have written for an article for TechCrunch, if you're interested, it's about the Chinese metaverse, I call it the Chinaverse. And that is its own ecosystem. You know, where WeChat and we 
Pay and Alipay, they're all within this very beautifully integrated ecosystem. The same thing with the Apple ecosystem. They make it so comfortable for you to link everything, all your experiences, your payments, your, <laughs> your, your chat history, everything else, your music, and upload it into the next device. Well, it's not exactly an open ecosystem. So when it comes to interoperability in the metaverse, I don't think it's obvious. Um, my greatest hope and aspiration is just the joy and wonder. I decided to go into VR after trying on a headset. I kid you not, I decided that evening. I tried it on in the app, uh, it was actually the Microsoft store on Fifth Avenue and in New York, and I got home and I just thought, that was the most amazing technology I've ever seen. And as I said, I'm a tech specialist and I've been preaching about it all around the world to different, very sophisticated institutional investors. But when I tried that headset on, I said, I want to get closer to this. So I wanted to be closer to the creative end and I started really digging into what's happening in this space. I started writing about it, vlogging about it, because I was obsessed. It is so much fun. And I really encourage everyone to get a, their hands on a headset and to experience the joy and wonder that this can bring. And they'll get a sense of where this is headed and the opportunities that we have before us as brands and as, and as users. That's a lovely story. And your enthusiasm is great. Um, and it really shows in all the work that you do. And thank you for doing all that work. I love your reports. Um, I think everyone should follow you. So where should our listeners um, follow you and be in touch if they want to? My name is CD Henry uh, underscore XR on Twitter. And I'm Catherine D. Henry on LinkedIn. And I produce a lot of reports and they're all free because I want people to be able to access the, the education that's, and, and the conversations that so many of us are having behind closed doors. And it's not just for high-paying clients. I want people to really understand the bigger pictures and how they can start thinking about it and using these technologies for themselves. So thank you for that. That's kind of my uh, end goal is really educating and sharing the knowledge that I acquire. I spend a lot of time researching, and so I think it's just fun to share it with other people and open that conversation and hear the comments. So thank you for sharing that, and I really hope to hear from those of you out here watching and interested in this space. I would really, uh, I welcome you to the conversation. Thank you so much, Catherine. It's been a joy to speak to you today, and thank you so much for your contribution to this industry. Amelia, thank you. And thank you all so much for listening and watching wherever you are. And, um, and hope to see you again next month.